Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath. One sentence summary. Made to Stick examines advertising campaigns, urban myths and compelling stories to determine the six traits that make ideas stick in our brains. So you don't just know why you remember some things better than others, but can also spread your own ideas more easily among the right people. My favorite quote from the authors is... The most basic way to get someone's attention is this. Break a pattern. Chip and Dan Heath. Some siblings just play extraordinarily well together. Like Chip and Dan Heath, who both turned out to thrive in an academic environment, ending up teaching at Stanford Graduate School of Business and Duke University, respectively. If you had a brother and you both taught business at two of the most prestigious schools of the country, what would you do? Of course, write a book about business. They've done just that. Three times. This was their first book, which ended up being translated into 25 languages. Often mentioned in the same breath with absolute bestsellers like The Tipping Point or Built to Last, it describes a simple way of getting others to pay attention to your ideas. Chip and Dan found six simple traits, which all sticky ideas share. Here are three of them, so you can get your friends and co-workers to perk their ears up when you speak. 1. Sticky ideas are always unexpected. 2. Use curiosity gaps to keep your listeners' attention. 3. The best way to get your ideas to stick is to tell great stories. Want some mental duct tape for your best thoughts? Sure, here you go. Made to stick lesson 1. A sticky idea will always make us listen up because it's unexpected. This answers the question, how can we use the element of surprise to get people to listen? For something to stick, you have to notice it first. If an article's headline isn't good, neither does it matter if the rest of the article is, because you'll never even start reading it. The same thing holds true for advertisements, books in a bookstore, or products in the supermarket. If it doesn't stand out, it's as if it's not there. People have long become blind to online banners too, so whatever doesn't take us by surprise gets left out in the cold. That's why sticky ideas are always the ones you don't expect. For example, imagine the usual humdrum speech a flight attendant gives. Instead, what if she actually said, I know there are more than 100 ways to leave your lover, but there's just one off this plane. Would that get your attention? Or a banner ad that showed nothing more than a mysterious symbol? How about a book with a bright orange cover that sticks out from the rest? Or a coffee brand that comes in elegant capsules, all black on black? To get people to perk their ears up at your ideas, you have to risk sticking out like a sore thumb. No risk, no fun. Made to stick lesson two. You can use curiosity gaps to keep your listeners' attention once you have it. This answers the question, how can you keep people engaged when you talk or communicate with them? If you think getting people's attention is hard, then you'd be right. However, once you have it, it gets even harder, because now you have to hold it. The reason people run on autopilot in the first place is that they think they know everything they need to know right now. However, if you can convince them that they don't, guess what's going to happen? Of course, they'll do whatever it takes to find out. Showing people that there's something important they don't know yet and giving them a way to find out is a very powerful way to make your ideas stick. And it's called a curiosity gap. So when Marvel asks you on Twitter whether you're Team Cap or Team Iron Man, the first thing you want to know is 
who else is on each team, and what the heck the two camps are even about. Typical clickbait headlines on sites like BuzzFeed use the same principle, by asking you thought-provoking questions like, can we guess your favorite season based on your favorite Disney princess? Present powerful facts, figures, and questions as your opening line, and you'll have poked your audience's interest. Then, it's storytelling time. Made to stick lesson three. The best way to get your ideas to stick is to tell great stories. This answers the question, how can you get other people to remember your ideas for a long time? Every time I read the word or the phrase, I hear a roaring Gary Vaynerchuk in the back of my head, screaming at the top of his lungs, tell stories for the year we live in, or something along those lines. He continues to tell great ones, and there's always one you haven't heard. In 2016 and 17 and beyond, I truly believe the best thing you can do if you want to market something, anything really, whether that's your product, your service, or yourself, is to stop marketing and start storytelling. Creating good slogans and advertisements for your idea is important, but even if you're a billion dollar business like Subway, being able to share a story of a guy who lost 200 pounds eating just your food? I mean, that's a story. Chip and Dan say there are three common well-suited patterns to tell your stories, which are timeless. Here we go. Pattern number one, challenge. When an underdog beats an incumbent, a David versus Goliath kind of thing, that always gets people to take action. Pattern number two, reaching out. When an unfamiliar character, a good Samaritan, helps a stranger in need, which speaks to our empathy, for example. And pattern number three, creativity. When a problem is solved in a creative new way, giving us a chance to look at things from another angle. The best thing you can do to get more people on board with your ideas is to just practice telling stories every day. No matter whether you do it in writing, speaking, video, or whatever other format you can think of. The point is to just start. Here's what I learned from Made to Stick by Chip and Dan This, it's really, it's a good marketing book, uh, arguably. It's a good book for creative people, I would say, not just marketing. It's positioned as a marketing book, but you, really, if you're, I don't know, a writer like me or a podcaster or whatever, I think that's also, because the more I think about it, actually, I think it's pretty much a good book for anybody, because we're all in the business of selling ideas. Um Let's say you work at a very, very boring company that sells glass paints for windows, okay? So glass paints for windows, you sell that. That's the most unexciting product ever. I mean, there's not, not there's nothing to see, literally, because glass, you just look through, it's like, eh, we need glass, okay. Let's say uh, you work at a company that sells that, right? But let's say you don't even work in sales. That would be too easy. Let's say you work in logistics, okay? So you're in charge of getting the sand or raw materials or whatever you use, your company uses, to heat and burn and, and create the glass, right? Glass is just sand heated to a very high degree and then it turns into glass. I think. I hope I didn't screw that up. <laughs> so let's say you do that. You're the, you're the person buying sand. You buy sand in large quantities from people to make glass. 
why do you need why do you need creativity why do you need to tell stories why do you need to make your ideas stick in that position like do you really i mean let's let's think about what that person would do that person is probably on the phone a lot right you have to talk you have to do negotiations with suppliers you have to get better deals you have to bring down the price you have to make sure the charges the 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 tranches come in at the right time so these are things you have to do right here's how how that person needs to sell ideas let's take some examples negotiations so you let's say you want to add a new supplier and get their sand you have to you have to sell them on the idea that it will be worth it for them to sell you the sand at a cheap or the good price you want. How do you do that? You tell a story, right? You would say, well, we've been in the business for a hundred years. I mean, our great-great-grandfather used to heat the sand in his own uh, I don't know, of oven at his home, right? And then he would have a tough time to get the temperature so high. So he collected extra dry wood from this certain place that he knew by the lake in the back somewhere and he got that and he and so we know everything it takes to make the best glass possible because we've been dealing with sand and the element of sand and we found ways to uh heat the sand in 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 faster ways and get it to the right temperature faster blah 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 so you would i don't know what you would do but you would tell this person whatever it, you think is the right story to convince them that it's a good idea to give you the sand at a certain price next thing scheduling okay so you get a certain amount of charges of uh, uh, charges of tranches of of sand and you know that's just coming in here this is coming in here this is coming in here and now you have to sell the production guys on changing the schedule so that it actually works for when the sand comes in because otherwise you can't you can't produce so maybe you will need to convince the production guys to run a late shift and run or run a couple night shifts even a week or two right so what would you tell them you would probably say uh, i know guys it's it's hard to work at night and and that's a I, i'm really sorry but think of the mission of the company that we have to make the best glass to get the best glass to the best people and maybe if you if you uh I mean, there's something fascinating about working at night, isn't there? And seeing the fire in the in the production facility and knowing that at the same time, this is going to help other people live a better day while you're working at night. And I don't know, like you could, right? I'm making this up as I go. You can tell. But see, that's two two examples from one of the most boring, most, most like standard jobs you could think of. And that person has to sell ideas. I mean, that's insane. That's really, really crazy. That person has to, if that person can sell the people he or she is talking to on those ideas, she's not doing her job. So that's just to, to get some perspective on how important this whole idea selling thing really, really is. And I just did a summary for another book called Out of Our Minds by Sir Ken Robinson, which is about the fact that creativity is not only the most important skill and asset for us to have in this time and day, but it might actually be the only valuable thing because everything else is subjective flexibility. I mean, the days where you could get go out of do high school, do college, do a, get a PhD, go to work at this company, remain there for 40, 50 years, and then go home with a nice big fat pension check, that's done.
that's not happening. Because I mean, that's happening, but for very, very little people. It's going to be the exception, not the norm, very, very soon. I think it might already be. 2020 is the year where more, more than half of all Americans are freelancers. Um, so th this whole thing is changing, and it's changing faster and faster, and our only chance is to adapt. So that's why creativity is all the more important. So what I can recommend to you is to set up some creative process, right? It, I don't care how little it is. It can be five minutes a day. It can be journaling. It can be, I don't know, writing. It can be recording voice messages for yourself, just for yourself on your phone, talking into your own phone. It can be starting a podcast if you're more ambitious or opening a blog or whatever, but have some kind of creative practice in your day, in your week. Um, I think that's one of the most important, one of the best things you can do for your life overall. Uh, not even talking about happiness and all that stuff, but just from a work and productivity aspect, hands down, the best thing you can do. And the way you do that, by the way, is by treating it prof sort of professionally, as professionally as you can from the get-go. So that's the next thing, uh, and uh, just a minute on this. It's not about inspiration, right? It's not about when you have this idea with your buddies on the weekend that it would be really cool to, I don't know, build a raft and grind down your own hill in your backyard and do that in a, I don't know, in a, in a canoe or whatever. So that's not it, right? That's creative, but that's just creativity from the moment. You need to have a practice where it's it's it has its own slot in the day, and that's when you're being creative, and that's it. And you're just going to sit there and be creative, which sometimes means not being creative at all, because you're just staring at a blank page, you're just thinking, you're just... But engaging with the task of being creative, that in and of itself, that's valuable. And that's, of course, that's how pros write books and so on. There's a whole whole sort of uh, work ethic behind that. But just to give you an idea of how you can really embed creativity in your day. All right. Lots of rambling. I hope you saw creativity is everywhere. I hope you saw I hope you think it's important. I hope you, I could sell you on that a little bit with this story. And I will see you on one of the next also creative summaries.